I'm your host, Vic Choksi, and this is Victory Lab. The premise behind Victory Lap is simple. It's to have on luminaries from the sports, entertainment, and media worlds to talk about their journey, and most notably, one victory that helped them reach their goal. On today's episode, I speak with Vinay Malik. Vinay was Anthony Davis's former athletic director at Perspectives High School, and he's been in the sports space for a very long time. Vinay, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you on this episode of Victory Lap. How you doing today, my man? Good, man. Good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to catch up. Uh, me and you go way back. Let's go back in time a little bit. Let's talk about your journey. First things first, how did you become an AD? What made you want to go that career route? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be really honest with you. It actually kind of just fell in my lap. My undergrad is in engineering. And so I went to Northern Illinois, graduated as an industrial engineer, actually worked at Intel um, Corporation for a handful of years on the East Coast, really didn't find just job satisfaction in a corporate engineering role, um, and then kind of spent some time trying to figure out what I wanted to do and what was next. So in that process, kind of came down to three things, and it was sports, entrepreneurship, and education. And that was like about two years out of college. So then I've kind of been on that journey since. Um, I've, I've gotten a lot closer to it, kind of finding that mix. Um, and so in terms of the idea of sports education, entrepreneurship, how that got me to being an AD, um, after a few years, I did this teaching program called Teach for America. So I applied for a yeah. lot of different ways to get back in the classroom um, and do it in an accelerated format. And so Teach for America provided me that opportunity. Um, and I actually was lucky enough to end up teaching in Chicago where you know I grew up in the Western suburbs. And so I was close to home. So came back from Boston, ended up uh, living in Chicago, taught at Paul Robeson High School um, in Chicago's Inglewood community during a very unique time. Actually, Jeremy Pargo was a student there. Yeah. Um, at the time, which was a really neat experience to see him as, a, you know, I was his first year teacher. He was a senior going out to Gonzaga. And then we had a handful of kids that ended up um, playing division one, big 10 football, actually. So that being a coach and I was assisting with basketball, with football, helped with a lot of athletic administrative activities at Robeson, just because they didn't have a very robust athletic office. So I kind of stepped in and learned a lot quickly and I taught and I was coaching. And so that to me was like, hey, this athletic administration thing's kind of neat. Let me explore it. And so after three years in the classroom, starting to look for what was next, because um, I like teaching, but I also didn't love teaching geometry five periods a day. Like to yeah. me, there was more that I wanted to do um, with young people and athletes specifically. Um, so then Teach for America, um, it's a long-winded answer here, but I'll get there. So Teach for America had a really great kind of alumni placement process. Nice. So they connected me with a lot of new and up and coming schools in the Chicago public schools at the time. So Perspectives was a school that I met when I was looking to leave Robeson and I actually applied for an activities director job there. It was called a program manager job. And a heavy component of that was after school programming, you know, drama, theater, debate, STEM, but then also like, you know, homecoming dance, prom, all these things that I had an interest in, but didn't really love. And they kind of dabbled with sports a little bit. And so yeah. in my interview process, I kept asking about sports and would I be able to coach and would I do this and would I do that? They're like, yeah, I don't know. Let's keep talking. So literally midway through this kind of, you know, interview process, they called me and were like, Hey, we're thinking of, you know, creating a network athletic director job. Would you be interested before they even finished the statement? I was like, heck yeah. Like I would <laughs> love that. Right. But I knew nothing about athletic administration and like, you know, three months later, I was their network at first network athletic director. That was um, spring of 2007. And I started the job July 1st of 07. So that's how I got to the role. 
And then I quickly figured out like, this is a legit job and, they, <laughs> yeah. and you are responsible for a lot. You're not just, you know, pumping up basketballs and ordering buses. And so yeah. that was a, that was a quick uh, awakening to the next 10 years of my life. Yeah. You said it was a real job. Like what are the duties of an AD for like people that don't know everyone from the outside looking in, it looks dope. You're like, Hey, yeah. you go to games, right? Like you're hyping the squad basketball yeah. or whatever you love, but like, there's little minutia, like you got to order things, make sure travel component, like everything for of everything, right? For like, and you guys had both campuses too, right? Well, yeah, all complicated. I was, by my second or third year, I had five schools across three buildings and about 700 athletes. So like most schools, you know, like I went to down or southwestern suburbs, 3,200 kids, one building, you know, probably a third of those kids are athletes. Yeah. And that's, that's a real job too, but... I was dealing with five sets of principals, five sets of assistant principals across three physical buildings. And, and you know, being a, a CPS grad that nope. the athletic facilities aren't rich. So <laughs> no. I had to go, I had, you know, I, across three like physical buildings, I probably played managed sports across 15 sites. Wow. So Chicago Park District, Illinois Institute of Technology, you know, Roosevelt University, all these different gyms that I needed to build relationships with. <laughs> And then somehow convince them to allow us to use their courts when they also had athletic programs of themselves. Yeah. So that was definitely a challenge. But to answer your question, I mean, there's just so much that goes into an AD job. And that, that whole idea of entrepreneurship as being one of the things I wanted to kind of pillar to or, or kind of um, anchor to, it's a very entrepreneurial job where you have a mission to build this athletic department, to provide your students with an excellent experience as an athlete, right? Whether it's coaching, whether it's facilities, you know, where I was working, you know, safety and security was a big thing, right? And just making sure kids felt safe. They were, you know, they felt they were getting good instruction. They were learning life lessons through sport. So that's kind of your mission. But then the idea of like, you know, if it's, you know, finances, if it's budgeting, if it's game management of supervising games, if it's equipment, if it's transportation, you know, personnel, I mean, you're running a business within a business because, in a sense, you know, you're part of a big school district, but athletics at some points is kind of its own thing. Lots of times, you know, an athletic department is running efficiently and effectively when you don't really have to hear or see the AD because things are moving, yeah. right? And that AD where, and I used to tell people my favorite part was kind of sitting up or being on the sideline on the 10 yard line being away from the coaches, letting them do their thing, being away from the refs, letting them do that thing. And just, you know, watching that game from the 10 yard line, this is football, of course, because we're yeah. just talking out loud here, but just being there, sitting there, you got the stands moving, you got concessions moving, you have gate moving, and then you can sit there and watch the game and just see your kids excelling or your athletes excelling on the field or the court or the, or the track. That, that's kind of what you're hoping for. You're not in the stands like revving up, at least most ADs that I know, we're not in the stands revving up the fans. Um, you know, you're talking to parents as needed, but lots of times during games, you, you kind of want to be doing your own thing. Cause you know, games bring out emotions in folks yeah. that a lot of times you don't want to have those conversations while the clock's ticking. You want to have those conversations 24 to 48 hours after that final whistle's blown. Speaking of AD, Anthony Davis, yeah, that happened at perspectives, right? So walk me through a little bit. Like I remember this and I don't even know if you remember this cause we used to like email and this is like, 
yep. pre-smartphones. This is like a long time ago, but you, yep. I remember getting an email from you and you're like, hey, there's this kid here. And, I, <laughs> and you were at some game or somewhere and you're like, I think John Calipari is here. You know, someone else is here. You need to look this kid up. I remember that email from you. I need to look yep. it up. But when was the moment that you realized that this kid was the real deal? You know, it's a, it's a very interesting journey with Anthony. You know, a couple like high level, like I'm going to start with a half glass empty that some of the things that Anthony dealt with, you know, four coaches in four years, no dedicated gym. His sophomore year, he ended the season with five players on his team. You know, I think he won more games at Kentucky in one year than we won in four years at Perspectives. And you're hearing this from the AD, right? Like yeah. I, like I, you know, we had great, we had coaches that were working with them. They did a great job. Um, but, you know, you're talking with the person that kind of, kind of drove the bus, right? So it's not like I'm overly proud of the fact that we didn't win a ton of games, but, you know, that was a situation that we kind of had. Um, and obviously now the program has grown so much and they're, you know, a very successful program. Anthony's ninth grade year, Anthony had been at the school since sixth grade. It's a six through 12, about 300 kids across six grades. So he was there sixth, seventh, and eighth. I came in at ninth grade and I had just come from Robeson seeing the Jeremy Pargos of the world play. And so at Perspectives, I remember we had eight, eight to nine kids on this varsity team. Uh, and it was kind of interesting is that one of his teammates, um, Al, Ro- Al Ray Pier, actually ended up playing Division One basketball at Stony Brook. So he walked into a, a pretty competitive team. And Anthony was a 6'1 guard, 120 pounds, 130 pounds maybe. And he was, you know, he was a shooter. He was playing, he was yeah. playing the two guard. And he, he'd play well. And he was a good high school player. But we were also in the blue division, which at that time was like the lower division within Chicago Public League. Still good basketball, but not the red division. So kids, you know, they're not on TV. They're not in the Sun-Times as much yeah. um, or the Trib. And this is pre-social media, Twitter, crazy days. So there was not a lot of attention. And he just, he just grew every year. I mean, every year he was a good player. I mean, and, and at, as a freshman, I, I'd be, I'm straight up with you. I didn't, you know, you didn't think he was a division one player as a freshman. He was a six, one yeah. guard in the Chicago public league. So definitely wasn't raising lots of eyebrows, but definitely he was a good solid player. But then every year he came back and he grew an extra five inches. He clipped off three to four inches here and there, you know, coming into his senior year, he was about, you know, six, 11, seven feet tall. And so what really kind of struck, you know, hit it for me is like I said, freshman year, he was like a role player on a, on a senior heavy team. And at a small school, like perspectives, when you have 300 kids, 200 high schoolers, and you have five seniors, he walks into his sophomore year. That team started with, you know, 12, 15 players ended the season with five players. Wow. That was a tough year. We lost the coach mid year. Um, so we had an interim coach to finish a year. And then what we did in his junior year, we combined teams. So we ended up opening a new Perspectives campus about 10 blocks south of his school. And I said, look, we're having, we're having participation issues at Anthony's campus. Let's combine these two. And we ended up building a program with two levels. So we had varsity boys and uh, sophomore boys, which in most schools is a no-brainer, especially in the public league. Yeah. We have an enrollment of 200 high schoolers. You know, it's hard to get kids eligible and interested and committed. So that junior year, we really started to see some strides because um, we actually played – more of a real high school basketball schedule. Like we were going to Lyle for a Thanksgiving tournament. We had good Christmas tournaments to go to. We were playing in the state series. We played the state series freshman year, not his sophomore year, but then we played his junior year. And so there you would see him, you know, drop a 30, drop a 40. I think he might've done a 50 somewhere in there. I mean, there's so many crazy stories and stat lines with, you know, with Anthony, but that was when you're like, something's going on here. Um, He was getting a different type of coaching that year too, which was great. Some yeah. more experienced coaching, some higher level coaching. 
which was excited. We had some lower level coaches that had played at a higher level. So that was great to see him kind of going against some of those guys. And that's really like something's up. And then near the end of the season, we started to hear some rumblings, um, some coaches popping up here and there. And then what was really interesting, and I always tell this story was, you know, we had heard, you know, through school, like, hey, Anthony's um, playing AAU this summer. And so I worked at, again, the five schools of three buildings. So I'm not in every building every day. Yeah. So you're, I'm kind of hearing things here and there. I can always pull kids and pull coaches and talk to them, but I'm not seeing the same kids and coaches every day. So I had heard, hey, Anthony's playing with Mean Streets. You know, yeah. you think of Mean Streets, think of Ty, like, oh, this is great, right? Like, great for Anthony. That's awesome. I forgot. It was some, it was some AAU tournament in Newport News, Virginia. So Anthony went to that with Mean Streets. He played a half of basketball, sprained his ankle, and didn't finish the second half. And then after that game, Syracuse offered him on the spot. Yeah. Right? That Monday, coming into school, everyone was like, hey, Anthony got an offer from Syracuse, blah, blah, blah. I pull Anthony out of class. I'm like, Anthony, what's going on? He's like, yeah, they, you know, they offered me. I was like, all right, hey, sit down. We're registering you for the NCAA Clearinghouse right now. Yeah. Right? Because usually, like, you know, we were like, let's get this done. So we sat down, got him in the clearinghouse, got, you know, now it's called the Eligibility Center. Yeah. We got him in the clearinghouse, got that done, and then that was it. And then for the next, and that was like April of 2010. That was April 2010. And then Indiana, Illinois, and, and you know, most of those coaches and, 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 and schools were going through his AAU coaches. Occasionally they were calling the school and then we were getting them transcripts, obviously as Anthony, you know, we, whatever the, the family needed us to do, we were doing. And that's where the journey began. Right. And then that he ended that spring you know, I think Scott Powers was writing for ESPN preps at the time. Yeah. And Scott wrote a lot of cool articles. And then he was, you know, then he went to the, you know, the LeBron camp, the NBA 100 camp. Um, I think the Amari camp was big back then. Maybe yeah. even, like, there was a Kobe camp too. This was, you know, this was going on, this was 10 years ago. But he was winning MVP and getting accolades all at all of those, those camps. And I remember sitting with a bunch of coaches over the summer. I'm like, hey, fellas, like, and these weren't the basketball coaches because they kind of knew, but a lot of other coaches are just so blown away. Any kid that ends up winning those camps, I mean, they're a top 10 pick in the next 18 months. Like, do you all see what's going on here, right? Yeah. And it's just so unbelievable. He was, And I, I remember telling someone this quote too, is that he was a big fish in a super small pond. Like sure. the, at Perspectives Campus he went to couldn't have been a smaller campus. We had bigger campuses that were more established in basketball at the time, which would have been like – you know, a better fit athletically for him, but he stayed at his campus and ton of respect for that. But, you know, to kind of close the loop on this, you know, it was interesting. He came back to school that, you know, or that August when we were getting ready for school. And then he was the number one high school basketball player in the country. Yep. He had gotten the offer from Kentucky. He committed to Kentucky. And that's probably when I had emailed you to be like, Hey Vic, <laughs> yeah. there's something going on at this school. You need to come check out. And then going into the fall, it was interesting, you know, coach Cal, come to one of our open gyms we were playing at iit at that point iit had cut their men's and women's basketball you know the division three school and um in bronzeville actually in real quick last dance uh flow on that um if you watch the last dance where michael was um taking batting practice or walt uh henry uh i forgot walt's name but the batting coach for the Sox yeah, back then yeah, of course he did that in the same gym that we were playing in, which was kind of cool to just watch the last dance. I'm like, wait, I know that gym. That's where, you know, uh, we'd played Anthony's games his uh, senior year or junior and senior year. But anyhow, so coming back into that fall, that was kind of interesting uh, to see that full sort of circle. And then his season started, um, you know, come Thanksgiving. And that's kind of just where the pandemonium began. And it was quite the journey. And, and from the AD perspective, one thing I'll add, 
which is really interesting, was once he got that offer from Syracuse and all the national publications and the local publications, you know, we were getting calls. And as an AD, this is a big part of the job. Like, hey, can you come to Detroit? Can you come to Texas? Yeah. You know, can you come to Massachusetts and play in the hoop hall? As an AD, you get X amount of non-conference games. So I had these six games that I was just kind of holding on to like gold. And I had to be very strategic because if you scheduled all these games too early, you might get a call in the middle of summer. Hey, you know, come out to Pasadena and play this game. Yeah. And these would be great opportunities, obviously for Anthony's exposure, but for his teammates too. Because a lot of these, you know, a lot, a lot of the young people hadn't left the state, let alone Chicago. Um, so we wanted to make sure we leveraged that appropriately to get the kids out and about and make it the, the greatest opportunity for Anthony, his family, and, and obviously his, his, uh, his, co- his, uh, his teammates. No, that's great. Thank you for sharing. I mean, of course, everyone knows the quick story. They show the two pictures of him like a guard. And then all of a sudden he's a bean pole in it, you know, the rest is history, but it's yeah. cool to get that inside kind of perspective on his journey and, and terrific kid. I remember you invited me to when he donated a court Yeah. Um, in the way, the biggest thing I noticed was just how he treated everyone there from like the janitor to the teachers. And this is yeah. after he's a superstar. Right. And yep. again, this is just me, my perspective. Like he just seemed like a super nice guy. You got me a couple of minutes with him. Very nice. He, he has some random kids are sitting there with him and he, you know, he gave every single person his time and he was super nice. And that's where I could tell, like, this guy's also a great young man off the court. Right. So. And real quick on that photo, just another trivia piece, that photo of Anthony that you see, with the glass, kind of the Steve Urkel glasses, as yeah. they call them. That was taken at Taylor Park, which is on 47th and State and on the south side of Chicago, close to where the old uh, Robert Taylor homes used to be. And that's uh, the Chicago Park District that was adjacent to that. So that's just a little tidbit that a lot of people don't know. I remember that day vividly getting those pictures done. And a buddy of mine did me a favor because we didn't have like a, a robust yearbook at yeah. the school at that point. And he was like, actually, he ended up just a friend that had done some photography for me at Robeson. I said, hey, can you shoot this game? And he's like, sure, I'll do it. And then it's interesting, the rights to those photos have become so valuable some, you know, 15, 10 years later. But yeah, no, that, that day you got to see Anthony. That was, a, that was his, uh, he had just finished his first year in the league through a partnership with Sprint and Boost Mobile. He donated an outdoor court, court back to Perspectives, Jocelyn Campus, which is the campus he went to. And that just goes to show you at a young age that he had, he was, you know, aware and interest and an interest in, you know, giving back and providing philanthropy for his community and his former school. And he, I think he was maybe 20 years old. I mean, Anthony's, Anthony was, is younger for his like year. So I think he might've been 20 at that, at that time, maybe, maybe 19. I think he's probably 20, but like, that's a huge, I was like, that was like a $60,000 court that, they, that we built in 30 days uh, with the, you know, obviously with the support of Boost, Sprint and Anthony. So so, yeah. And, and, you know, and I think his interactions with you that day were pretty neat. Right. Like I remember I was like, Hey, I was like, Hey, aunt, this is a buddy of mine. Grew up, we grew up together. Would you mind talking to him? Well, for sure. And he sat there and you had a great conversation with him. So yeah, he's, uh, you know, very comfortable when he comes back to perspectives. I haven't been there the last few times. Cause you know, I, I I've been gone for a couple of years now, but he had just donated a, a, a new lab look that, that they put in the school. Um, they turned the library into like a, a, a maker's, a maker's lab. Um, that he did during all-star weekend and he's you know he's been very good to perspectives that the head coach there now was one of the last coaches I hired um, and they had a great relationship and he's actually donated some money to help them get gear um, and get them kind of ready for season the last couple of years so he's he gets it he, he gets it at a, at a very young age which is very impressive um, and I also think now that you know he's 
you know, he's, he's with LeBron and LeBron's one of the, the most amazing philanthropists that I think we'll see in our lifetime that's playing sports. I think that's just a great combination for both of them to be working together. And, you know, hopefully that, that, that leads to great things for the community. Exactly. It's great to see. I know we're running short on time. Let's get, yeah. get back on your journey a little bit. Yeah. So you're the AD. You did that for X amount of time. Walk yeah. me through your transition. Like at what point were you like, I want to move on from here? Was it something you planned or how did that come about in, for your next move? Yeah. You know, one of the things about being an athletic director, it's a tough job, right? It's, it's long. You first one in the gym, last one out. And also working in the Chicago Public League, it can be hard with a lot of the uncertainty around urban education in, in our country right now, especially as it relates to funding, stability. Um, those are some of the half class empty, you know, looks at urban ed. Um, and so for me, I was at a point where I had done about nine years, you know, built the program from, you know, 10 teams, 15 coaches. By the time my last year, we were almost 55 teams, almost 100 coaches. I was in charge of after school programs. I mean, we were doing a lot. You know, we had a, we had a functioning football program, which is usually a a big staple of any high school athletic program. So it it just, we had built a lot. The constant need to reinvent the wheel every year was getting challenging for me. And I kind of felt like I had taken the program as far as I could with the resources that I had. And I also was starting my own family, gotten married. My my wife worked that perspective. She was a, you know, we met there. My kids were four four and two. And then um, we had our third on the way. And I was like, all right, I need to think about like I want to be able to coach my kids, right? And so that was trying to figure out that next step and transitioning into like a suburban AD job or a district AD job wasn't easy. So it was kind of neat. I got connected with a startup out of out of the Bay Area called called Upmetrics, and Upmetrics provides uh, impact analytics um, kind of measurement supports to schools, nonprofits, and foundations. And so we were piloting some of their tools at Perspectives at the time. I had connected to them through a a mutual friend at Positive Coaching Alliance, Jason Sachs, who you know. Um, And so that's how I kind of started talking about metrics. And then when I was looking to figure out what that next move was, it was really hard for me to want to leave the profession. As you know, I'm still involved with the profession. I still teach professional development. I teach at state conferences, national conferences. So I'm still very involved in the profession because it was been so good to me as an individual, helped me grow. But I just felt it was what made sense for me at the time. So about four years ago is when I left. Um, and a big part too, is I had an assistant athletic director working with me. His name's Tyree Jackson. Tyree had coached almost every sport for me for many years. And then he, he had become a, a full-time assistant AD in the department with me and he was ready. So that was a great like feeling of like, I know I can pass the baton and I could still have conversations with Tyree around like, Hey T don't forget this or don't forget that. Or Hey Vinay, how did you do this? Right. So him and I, st- and we still talk, you know, during normal non COVID times um, when he's got athletic programs I and mean, we probably still talk you know, once every other week, but yeah, so that was kind of that. And Upmetrics has been neat where I still get to work in youth sports. Uh, we're actually, you know, work with groups like positive coaching Alliance, Chicago run. Uh, we're doing something with the national federation of high school state associations, work with a lot of high schools um, across the region with their kind of key metrics, but then also have exposed me to more nonprofits, more foundations. Uh, so that's kind of been good as a professional to get kind of get out of my comfort zone and learn a little bit more. So it was a hard uh, move. But, you know, definitely been something that's given me a better work-life balance. And, and maybe at some point I'll, I'll get back into the AD profession. You never say never. So, so we'll see. And kind of once an AD, always an AD, you always think like one. But yeah, so we'll see. But that's kind of what took me to, to kind of where we're at now. Are you happy you made the move to Upmetrics, like that you left the AD world? Or, you know, where, do you think about it or where are you at with that? Yeah, I mean, no, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, I, I, I'm, I definitely think about it because I'm always 
you know, and, and I've, as we talked, some of my side projects too, kind of bring me back into youth sports and, and different things. So I'm always kind of back talking and working with ADs. I will say during COVID, I, I am not envious of my, my former colleagues. They are going through no. a lot right now, as, as all of us are in different ways. Yeah. Um, but the level of uncertainty that you have in youth sports right now is it's, it's tough to plan and manage for. So I'm not missing that, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy. I'm at a good company, great leadership, you know, good teammates, good vision, uh, which is really good. So I'm very lucky there. Is there a victory big or small that you can think of that helped you get to where you are at today? Like it could be anything. It could be support of your wife, a moment that happened, anything you can think of. I think it was my time at Robeson. I think my time at Robeson high school was a very formative time in my life that exposed me to a community and just things that I was very oblivious to. And I think the victory there was me building genuine relationships with colleagues. And there's a lot of coaches I got really close with that then enabled me to build genuine relationships with the, the, the young people in the building, like our athletes, right? Obviously I was teaching and that was going fine, yeah. but like how to come in a school as an outsider that's used to seeing a constant churn of people that sometimes don't look like them in and out of their buildings and then building trust with the young people outside of school, like, you know, in terms of coaching and after school programs, but then really d- digging in with some of these young folks around like college and using sports as a mechanism to make their life better than it might've been, you know, for their family growing up or their parents and, and, and uh, you know, provide more opportunity and resources. I think for me, there's a couple of pivotal people at Robeson that opened some doors for me and saw what I could bring to the table and just gave me the keys and said, hey, Vinay, and, you know, they'd call me Mullick. Mullick, just do you, we'll do this and you keep working. And I think that victory was like kind of catapulted me and obviously to the perspectives job and the impact that I had there or we had it at perspectives because it was a collective effort. And then obviously into some of the side work that I do now. And then, and then obviously most importantly without metrics. So I think Robeson was that launching pad. Very lucky. I did three years um, there. And I, I still think of those years very fondly. And I'm luckily I'm, I've been in touch, still in touch with a lot of those, those, those uh, the students I met there. I was actually lucky enough to go to one of their weddings last year, which was really nice. cool. Yeah. So that, I think Robeson was out of that victory for me. That's so. great. I love it. And I, yeah. we can talk all day. I know. Right. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I know you got to run. You have another yeah. call. So yeah. I appreciate your time. Thanks for jumping on today. It was fun kind of catching up as well and take care of your family right now. It's grind it out. And next year we got to meet up. Yeah, for sure, man. Same to you. I appreciate you. You putting me on here and keep up all the great work. All right. Thanks again. Okay. We'll talk yep. soon. Take care, brother. See you. My thanks again to Vinay for joining me today. He's doing some amazing work at Upmetrics, so definitely make sure to check him out. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to give us a like or a follow and definitely share the word with your friends. Last but not least, you can follow my work at DocSquad33 on Twitter or VicChoxy33 on Instagram. As always, thank you again for listening. I'll see you next time on Victory Lab.